I'm not saying you can't want both things. I want both things. gentlemen welcome to the film find the greatest movie podcast ever assuming you've never listened to a movie podcast before my name is adam portress and i'm joined by matt smith man isn't it gonna be fucking awesome when we throw that dragon con after party and elzig plays oh dude i'm telling you <laughs> telling you uh also right off the bat what the fuck is up with that tomb raider poster I don't know that I've seen the Tomb Raider poster. I mean, like, I think I've seen like a uh, like a, a think of it. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this like a thumbnail. Uh, it, it is uh, horrifying. I gotta, I gotta it, take a like, look at this. Something's up with Alicia Vikander's neck. That is just oh, she's all like twisty neck. McTwisterson. It's all twisted around and also really long. It's like, man, we got to get face and ass in in this same shot. So, but they're not much ass just, there, everybody. Come on now, to be to, to be all the, there. <laughs> yeah, I don't fucking know either. But we're back, and, and everybody. That, we're back. We're, we're gonna do another episode here for you. We've got some fine, fine programming. Uh, well, we got some good programming. We got some also some maybe not so hot programming. But hey, that's that's well, I mean, our, our programming. Our great. programming is hot. Yes, the the. You know, we, we do I don't give a fuck about what everybody else is making. We we are back to doing what we what we have normally done on this podcast for some time, which is we watch things so you you know don't have to, or maybe you should. And I think we may have two of those uh, two of those types of reviews here for you today. Uh, today we are going to be reviewing American Assassin. Does uh, box office poison Taylor Kitsch strike again? Hmm. According to the box office, yes. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, of course, we'll be talking about it's Mother. It's not good. We'll be talking about Mother, the new film uh, by writer-director Darren Aronofsky. Uh, we're, I, I would say that we're both big fans. Yeah, man. Uh, I know I am. I loved Noah, actually. So, so it was good. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm a huge fan of what the guy does. It's like, to me, whenever something comes out, I was, um, I was a guy who saw Requiem for a dream in the uh, in the theater and stuff. And that was the point where I was just like, all right, whatever this dude does, I'm on board, man. I will go and watch it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, hasn't really let down yet. And he's, he can be very divisive. And uh, this may be yet another divisive film. Uh, hasn't got the best of ratings on Rotten Tomatoes, but yet the critics seem to like it. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about what's worthy uh, of, of uh, 
of your time this week, everybody, because your time is important. You know what else is important to us? The people that go over to patreon.com slash the film find and throw a little jingly jangly back in our pockets, man. We really appreciate that. We now have 10 patrons, Matt. We're almost halfway to our, well, we're over halfway then to our next goal. Uh, so we're getting very Yay. close here, which is awesome. Uh, we got two new people. Uh, that joined up this past week. Uh, we have Jacob and Tim both coming in at five bucks, man. We really appreciate that, guys. And yes, thank uh, you. when you do that, man, what's cool about it is you get the pre-show, you get the post-show, and if things post right, which they didn't quite this week, we'll talk about that in an email, uh, you get bonus episodes and stuff like that. So uh, keep an eye out for all that kind of good jazz. Uh, speaking of which, let's talk, but that's patreon.com slash the film find. Speaking of which, though, mm-hmm. let's open up the old mailbag here and uh, read one of these, and maybe we'll solve some of these little Patreon woes that we have here going on. Fails here. Uh, we have an email. These sometimes are good, sometimes they're maybe not so good. This one's entitled Patreon Problems. It's okay. It happened to a lot of people. So I don't know what went on, but we'll see if we can kind of get to the bottom of it. Uh, This is from Ricardo. Hey, is everyone complaining about the Patreon player issues? On every video, I can't hear the pre-slash-post show. Uh, The first one, Hitman's Bodyguard, somewhere in the second half of the clip. The volume goes way down and never comes back. I've been listening to the regular show on the Apple podcast, but when I try to go back to the Patreon to listen to the pre- or post show, I can't get more than six or seven seconds of audio before it cuts out and resets to zero. As much as I enjoy Matt calling you a turd burglar in this loop, it sucks. <laughs> Thanks, Ricardo. That's fun for me too. <laughs> also, this happens it's- whenever I use Wi-Fi or not. That's that's bizarre. And I'll be honest with you. Uh, I think one of the big problems is is Patreon is go- going through some going through some growing pains recently, and some of this stuff is maybe not the best. No, Ricardo. What I would say to you and anyone else that does uh, Patreon for us and wants that pre and post show, which by the way, at this point with as few patrons as we have. Uh, we're giving it to everybody. We're giving the pre and post show to everybody. Normally, it's for the five buck and up people, but we're going to give it to everybody for right now. Uh, and if you stay at the five dollar, le- if you choose to stay at the five dollar level, God bless. We love you. Uh, but we're going to give that out to everybody until we can kind of. Once we get past the hundred, we'll go to just the fivers. Uh, but uh, just to kind of you know keep things going, give you a little bit of incentive to jump in. And if you feel like you know we're giving enough value, uh, jump it up more, man. Uh, but one of the problems is with that is it goes all kind of wonky. But here's what I want you to do. If you go to the uh, patreon.com slash the film fine, you'll see under the uh, kind of right hand side, there'll be a little thing that says audio RSS link. What I want you to do is copy that link and then paste that into your podcast player of choice, be that Stitcher or iTunes. And most people do iTunes just on account of numbers. Tell us that's the truth. Uh, whether you like it or not, Android people. <laughs> uh, but copy and paste that link into whatever podcast device that you have, and that will give you the link directly. So that should work for most everything that's there. So there was a wild confusion thing between Patreon and between uh, what Lipson was doing back and forth. Some of you some of you got the bonus episode <laughs> early, <laughs> earlier than you should on the regular feed uh, because... Uh, it's a whole it's a whole mess of technical shit. I don't want to really get into, but needless to say, uh, if you like that, there's more of that free of not not free per se, but go to go to patreon.com/slash/the-film-find. We'll get you more of that kind of stuff in the future, man. 
Uh, he continues on in his email. All technical complaints aside, I'm glad you're back with some consistency. As someone who generally only gets to see movies uh, for five or six year olds, listening to your podcast keeps me in the loop of what other movies are even out. Um, I hope both for your financial situation to improve greatly over the coming months and keep the great stuff coming. Your podcast is by far the best movie podcast that I listen to, uh, which I could do daily. Well, we're not quite there yet ourselves. By the way, Captain Underpants is one of the silliest movies ever. Not a good movie by any means, but five-year-old kids will watch it night after night after night. Curse you, Professor uh, what, what Professor P.D. Darius Von Poopenpants. <laughs> It sounds great. I like I'm that. Have to, I'll watch that. I'll report back. Yeah, that's uh, thanks, and that is from Ricardo. Ricardo, thanks for the email, buddy. Yeah, thanks, Rick. It's always good to hear from you, man. We also have one more email here. This one comes from a good buddy, Chad. Hey, guys, loving the show. Happy it's back in full force. I was wondering your guys' opinion on the new Hellboy movie and the look for the new actor. I think he looks great in the makeup and a very reminiscent of Perlman's look, but I'm still a little hesitant about the new film. P.S. Guys, I'm currently doing my schooling right now, so forgive me for not supporting on Patreon, but I love you guys and support everything you guys do. Can't wait to hear Mother next week uh, from Superhero Fan at Chad. Uh, yeah, man. So as far as, as far as like the Patreon thing, that's all cool. Anybody that like can't support us on Patreon, we absolutely understand that. But here's yeah. the thing. It's a trade-off. If you can't support us on Patreon, we totally get it. It's absolutely cool. But you do have a mission. Tell a friend. Tell, tell a, a friend. Tell a friend. Go review and on also, iTunes. Just and keep let listening. Us, but yeah. like also tell a friend. Yeah. Keep listening. <laughs> tell a friend. Uh, you know, review on iTunes, all that kind of good jazz, man. If you if you can't support financially, support with a little bit of footwork. It don't take much, man. You you guys. But yeah, I, I totally get the school thing. I mean, shit, that's why I can't afford anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, but even a buck well, helps. Let's, let's talk, talk about help. Help thing for a second. Yeah. Uh, I'm on board, man. I, I know it's not the same thing, but uh, what's been great about uh, the Hellboy comics, even though like uh, Mike Mignola's stuff is kind of like his fingerprints are all over them. Like I'm interested in other creators work within that series. And there's been quite a few on the comic books mm -hmm. who've all kind of put their stamp on things. Um, right. Like it actually, you know, quite honestly, I prefer the BPRD series to the Hellboy series properly. Um, <gasps> <And> I'm just <laughs> I, I think I think it's much better. I don't think that's even an unpopular opinion. I think that's a pretty standard one. Uh, I think David Harbour looks great. Um, I'm interested to see what this uh, turns into. I mean, it's got uh, you know uh, uh, Mia, Mia, Mia Jovovich, uh, love of my life. Uh, it's got uh, Ian McShane, other love of my life. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't see anything wrong. It's also, it's directed by one of my favorite uh, filmmakers, Neil Marshall, uh, who did The Descent, um, uh, was his big breakout, that and Dog Soldiers before that. Uh, he also directed Doomsday and uh, Centurion, which was kind of an underseen Michael Fassbender film about the last Roman Legion. Um, he, Neil Marshall... Uh, fun trivia question, uh, and some people probably know this. The the Game of Thrones diehards definitely know this. Um, he directed two of the best episodes of that series, hmm. uh, Black Blackwater and uh, Watchers on the Wall. Now both of those have like very good action scenes in them, and that's what those episodes are known for. Um, I'm I'm all for this movie. 
Uh, am I disappointed that uh, Del Toro and um, Perlman could not get the funding together to, or the studio to back them to do another uh, final film to complete whatever story arc they thought they might want to do? Sure. But I trust everybody involved in this thing, and I think the makeup looks amazing. It, it's not that different from Perlman's. Uh, a, little, a little leaner, uh, but that's Harbor's build versus... Uh, Ron Perlman's, you know, they're, they're different dudes. No, I think they're the same people. Uh, I just want to be contra- <laughs> contradictory. Uh, yeah, no, it looks pretty good. Like you said, it's, it's, it's the same yet different. Uh, whenever, th- uh, whenever these p- things, um, go through like director changes or actor changes and stuff like this, I think of it a lot like the actual comics themselves, which, you know, you open up a, a book one month and they've changed uh, artists or they've changed writers, yeah. you know? And so these things happen. And, you know, if the stuff stays good, you stay with that book. If it doesn't, well, you tend to leave the book or just try to, you know, muscle through until, you know, those people get dropped and someone else comes in, you know? Uh, yeah. So I see it a lot like that. Uh, I think David Haber has uh, been dipping into Stallone's collection of HGH or something. I don't know what the fuck's going on over there. Uh, but. <laughs> I, I don't think that's him. I think that's a buildup. Some of, a lot well, like a lot like Perlman's was. Yeah. Well, I listen. I mean, the only makeup they had on Perlman was from the neck down. <laughs> the rest, <laughs> the rest of that was pure Perlman, baby. Uh, but yeah, dude, I, I think it looks good. I mean, I like the black and white uh, one as well with the trench coat and all that kind of good jazz. I'm giving it hope, man. And uh, look, if Perlman can sit down and have a meal with the man and not punch his guts out. I think we're okay, you know? Yeah. And and who knows? Del Toro is like, he's he's also a guy who can be all over the place. Sometimes good, sometimes for bad, you know? Well, the, well, the thing about Del Toro really is that he has so many irons in the fire that uh, he overcommits to the ideas of doing all of them. True. And then uh, can really only follow through, like uh, most things, with, with one. <laughs> because that's all you can actually do you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. so you know while 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 yes we are finally going to get another pacific rim he's not doing it right right um now that has to do with like the uh, that uh that film those film rights uh were sold to a chinese company or an investment firm that has roots in china and that movie did amazingly well in asia so of course they're going to make a sequel yeah but you know, like if the stuff can't, if you can't make it happen, dude. That, yeah. Well, you know, at the same time he was trying to get that off the ground, he was also developing Crimson Peak, right? Mm-hmm. He was also, as he was doing Crimson Peak, uh, thinking about doing the third Hellboy movie, as well as the movie that he actually has coming out uh, later this year, uh, The Shape of Water. So, and then he's got know, the he, strain on his hands. So, like, he had so much yeah. on his plate, you know? Yeah, he. I mean, he does a lot. He produces a fair chunk of things. Uh, he writes stuff like he he's story supervising on um, all kinds of stuff. Uh, Troll Hunters, The Strain, The New Pacific Rim. Right? He yeah. did story work on. So it's just the reality is one guy can only make one movie at a time. You know, <laughs> lazy slob. Uh... Lazy slob. <laughs> that. That said, if Guillermo del Toro went as fast as Steven Soderbergh, 
we could have already had all of those projects come out by now. This is true. You got to have that Soderbergh work th- work ethic, man. You got to get up in the morning and drink gasoline or whatever the fuck it is he does. You got to you got to hop on Twitter and uh, tweet a long form novel. <laughs> that man is insane. All right, let's close up the old uh, mailbag here. Bales here. Thank you guys for those emails. And as always, you can email us at thefilmfind at gmail.com. We don't get a lot of emails, so by God, we're going to read whatever you send us. So uh, send us some stuff, man. All right, let's get into what you've been watching. I don't have a ton this week, but I did get to see the new Netflix uh, Jerry Seinfeld special. I can't remember the name of it. I think uh, it's got something to do with his name. <laughs> uh Rem- Jerry Seinfeld, remember the time. That sounds right. Uh, that's it's a, not what it is. Uh, Jerry, uh, before Jerry Seinfeld, I think. Is, yeah, that's it. Yeah, uh, yeah, Jerry before Seinfeld. Um, here's yes. the thing, man. Uh, I'm a big Seinfeld fan from way back in the day. Uh, Seinfeld was the uh, one of the comedians like him and Steve Martin that actually um, kind of clued me in on what stand-up was and how it, like the actual form and function of it. Like I didn't know people could have a career as a comedian until Seinfeld. You know, the show just kind of go, oh, "Look, comedians can be real. They're real people too." You know so to speak. They so they showed him and like, hey, he's not always at the club. He's also living a life like normal people do. It's like, oh, that's a, oh, that's an o- actual occupation people can have. And then like with Steve Martin's albums and stuff, you open it up and there's like an 8 by 10 of him and on the back of it is his entire set list written out. It's like, oh, they planned everything out and everything's in a nice, interesting order. Uh, so, but uh, Seinfeld, big, big influence, uh, big fan of, of the show and his comedy for a long time. This special is not necessarily a, uh, it's an interesting thing because it's not a straightforward stand-up special per se, though there is a lot of stand-up in it. It's mostly stand-up right. actually. There'll be a couple things that, uh, it's, it, to me, this is almost like a Seinfeld retrospective in a way. Uh, in, in as much as we're over at the comic strip, this is where he first got his start in comedy and everything. He's doing a show there for everyone. And also at the same time, talking a little bit about his history within comedy, how that started. So it's kind of like a story of his comedic travels, uh, getting to where he was in encapsulated. It's not a one man show, mind you. Uh, but encapsulated within comedy routines and stuff. Now, there's a lot of stuff that we've already heard over the years, and if you're a staunch Seinfeld fan, there's going to be a lot of jokes you probably already heard. They're still very funny. Uh, but if you're going into this thing uh, with the kind of idea of like a Louis C.K. where you're going to get brand new material and everything's flushed away, Seinfeld doesn't really work like that. He's never really worked like that. Because uh, so he's always kind of he's always like hey, I got some new stuff here, but I'm keeping some old stuff in the back pocket, and for specific reasons of why this show is being done, uh, he's definitely delving back into some of those older material. Then there'll be some other shots of like, you know, old home video and things of him as like a kid and all this kind of stuff. And then a little bit about his writing process. It's interesting if you are curious about the world of stand-up comedy, how things kind of work, or if you're just a big Seinfeld fan and don't mind, uh, you know, seeing some of the same jokes again, uh, which, you know, if you're a true fan of comedy, you, you don't. I don't think. Um, check it out. But uh, it, it, but if you're just like, you know, I've seen him and like I, I don't care for his jokes for the most part, you're probably not going to dig this. But uh, I, I liked it for what it was. And it's something that's very different from most other comedy specials out there. But that's on Netflix right now. So check it out. Did that uh, drop this weekend or like uh, Tuesday. during the week? Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Okay. What a, 
their uh, releases, uh, at least schedule-wise, increasingly make uh, no sense. Yeah, sometimes they're Friday. Sometimes they're like you know when, when like regular DVDs and stuff drop. Who who knows? <laughs> they're just like, look, we bring yeah. it out when we get it out. We're Netflix, damn it. Um, I didn't watch anything this week, uh, really. I um, and this is a trailer for American with- Assassin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I kept up with my shows, so I, I will you been talk watching about your American stories? Horror Story. <laughs> yeah, my stories. I will talk about American Horror Story probably in a couple weeks. I want to give it like half a season to really figure out what in the hell's going on before it pulls the rug out from under me again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been watching that. I still really like it. Um, I know that some people are starting to bail already, but I think that's typical with that show. Yeah, the show's uh, a little bit, like, uh, it's a little nutty. And if season you're not to season. committed. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I think people uh, people come back to it every season, right? And then some different people bail every season even. Hmm. Uh, but that that's fine. Uh, it's an anthology show. Come back to it. It's new next year. Um, what I did do this week... Uh, instead of watching stuff is play uncharted Four: a thief's end on the playstation uh-huh. and it was pretty fucking awesome that's mostly what i did i played through it like one and a half times uh one of the forza games is free on xbox live for gold so i've been playing a bit of that and uh the new uh trials motorbike game because <laughs> those are both free on xbox live right now so i picked those up for a paltry price of nothing it had been playing those a little bit so <laughs> i'll add those to the to the docket well awesome so they're free, uh, so, they're free, baby. Yeah, that's what I have that's what I have this week. Uh next week will be a little wonky, um, because I'll be traveling. We'll do the show at some point next week. Uh but but I will have seen a ton more movies because one of my things that I'm doing on vacation is watching a lot of the lower budget uh found footage haunted house movies, uh slash ghost hunting movies that I haven't gotten around to yet. So I've got about 15 films lined up uh, that I have to watch. Oh, that, that yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I'll report back on how shitty almost all of them assuredly are. Yeah. I was about to say, so I'm, I'm hoping there's one gem in there. <laughs> well, I'm just so, going to lock myself in a cage and punch myself in the nuts a couple times, but Hey, uh, we'll, we'll have a show. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so we'll do that. Uh, at some point um yeah well no worries man because i think we're gonna have plenty to talk about today let's go ahead and start with our first new release review here is the trailer for american assassin Revenge. What you think? You're gonna jump from cell to cell taking out terrorists. For starters, yeah. Our people here like your agenda, Mitch. I know exactly what to do with you. So what do I need to know about this guy? He's a warrior. One of the best I've ever known. Some bad things happened to you. Now you want to go kill terrorists, am I right? Out there, it's about the mission, not about you. Slice a man's throat right here like this. He's testing through the roof. Speed, focus, he's off the charts. I've seen off the charts before. Not like this. You think you're special? Never, ever let it get personal. What is it you think we do here? Kill people who need to be killed. 
got a problem. Six days ago, 15 kilos of plutonium went missing. Say, look at this. It can't be him. It's him, Irene. It's Ghost. Why is this guy after you? Something personal, sir? Everything he did there, I taught him how to do it. There's a nuke in play. You got 48 hours to stop him. I trusted you. You should have come for me. Eliminate the target. Yes, sir. Where's the rest of your team? Where's the new me? This whole thing is just a means to an end for you, isn't it? No. This is just the beginning. All right, that was a trailer for American Assassin, our first new release review of the week. Here, oh, I still got a little too much echo. <laughs> Here's the IMDb plot line. This is about the laziest I've ever seen. A story centered on uh, counterterrorism agent Mitch Rapp. Really, IMDb? That's all you have? He's a guy who does stuff. Uh, we don't fucking know. Who cares, right? I I like that it approaches the it approaches the material as if it's based on someone's actual life. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is directed instead of a novel, which it is based on. Yeah, <laughs> which I, we'll talk about why that you know why it seems that way for sure. Uh, this is directed by Michael uh, Kursa. Kursta? Sure. Uh, starring the uh, only people. Questa. Questa? C-U-E-S-T-A. Questa. It's a Questa. Uh, starring well, Dylan. That's, that's Italian. It's probably not that. It's probably. <laughs> I like to do it. I like to do it the, the Italian way. Uh, okay. All right, <laughs> Chef Boyardee. Let's roll then. Uh, starring Dylan O'Brien, Michael Keaton, and that, that's about. Oh, oh, and Box Office Poison, Taylor Kitsch. Uh, so this movie opened up in uh, second place with a paltry what, fourteen million bucks? Yeah, not fourteen much. and some change, not quite fifteen. Yeah, so uh, qu quite a bit under its uh, second weekend of sixty million dollars. <laughs> Damn, that's how much they were thinking yeah. it was going to lowball on the first weekend, and that's what they made on the second. That's uh, that's saying something, man. Uh so here you kind of heard it there a little bit in the trailer. A guy is uh, the movie starts out. We're in this kind of a, a beachy esque sort of setting here. Guys like filming on his phone. He's proposing to his lady. Uh, he goes to get some drinks. Some terrorist people come in, shoot the whole damn place up. Uh, she gets shot, and uh, well, he gets shot as well. But and then she gets shot several times in front of him, and uh, then he decides, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm gonna get on a mission, boy. I'm going to get on a mission. Yeah. I'm going to jack up some terrorists, cut, man. Cut to 18 months later. Dude is jacked. He's learned like MMA. He knows fucking uh, Arabic. Uh, he's an expert marksman. He's got uh, <laughs> heavy bag in his room. All kinds of shit. He's an impossible he's, person that could never exist. He's infiltrated a, a, a terrorist cell via the internet. This is 18 months. 18 months. It's that was uh, that. <laughs> Literally in the first 10 minutes, I was like, yeah, this is bullshit. It's just like he knows, like, exactly. He learned fluent 
Arabic. He learned yeah. all the questions that the terrorists would ask him because that's often kind of a thing that we've heard about. I, the validity of it, I don't know. But they, they'll ask well, you specific things from, you know, like they'll kind of quiz you. And if you don't know your shit, you know, you, you toast. Well, you know, all I know is I don't give a shit how many times Sana Lathan says it in this movie that he's the best she's ever seen. I don't fucking buy it. Yeah, he's like, and he's a, and here's the thing, man. He is a hothead. He's somebody who is going into this, and they mention it. He's going into this whole thing, obviously, for revenge. You don't go in with a clear head with that. I'm sorry. Everything that he's doing is built upon emotion and not for the fact of him being, you know, that, that proper assassin that goes in and doesn't have feelings towards this stuff. They have this whole virtual reality sequence where they're kind of training them and everything. They're wearing like stun vests and shit like that. And like these goggles that can kind of, it's kind of a neat idea, uh, but it like generates these people and they're going around and they have to kind of, it's, it's like a, like a virtual reality Hogan's alley, if you will, you know, and they're shooting people and, and Michael Keaton somehow fucking knows exactly what the guy who murdered his wife looks like. Uh, well, so, because, because they just killed him. He knows his profile. So he, pop- he tracked that guy down earlier in the movie. Yeah. And then that's how the CIA got him, right? So then they, they go through and they pop him into the sequence and stuff, and he can't not help but shoot this thing. And yeah. they, But they still just go, no, nah, he's still good. He's still good. No, no, he is clearly not. Don't you understand that this is supposed to demonstrate how driven he is to kill terrorists, bro? Yeah, but not the ones he's supposed to in this particular case. So if anybody, so if he wigs out and thinks anybody kind of looks yeah. like the guy who killed us, then he's just going to start killing random people. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Michael Keaton's character did not like his psych profile, and he got told he had to take him anyway. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. Uh, Yeah. There are some okay action moments in this movie, but beyond that, uh, like, unless you really love Michael Keaton, which I do, uh, I don't think there's anything here for any this. Here's here's what this movie is, okay? You and I, Adam, people like us, we're anomalies Mm -hmm. in the general population, right? We see a lot of stuff. We're at the movies every week multiple times, Mm -hmm. at the theater, not to mention watching stuff in general. Right. Most people, even ones who say they go to the movies, maybe go once a month. Yeah. And beyond that, maybe three or four times a year Mm -hmm. is the highest average, right? Um. This is the movie that people who go those three or four times a year would say, like, yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, people but popped you out of this thing. have seen this a million fucking times, man. Yeah, people came out of this movie. I, I heard them, man. They were just going, oh, man, that was really good. And I'm just like, I don't know what movie you were watching. That that was terrible. But you're right. They, they yeah. are those people. They're the people that don't get out. They're the people that don't see this uh, plot a million times and usually done better. Yeah. I mean the last I mean, born movie, I mean, which not, we I'm didn't not like. On them, but that's who—that's what this movie goes for, right? It's like, yeah. the, aside from Keaton, this movie is so generic, and even Keaton's role is a generic one. But because he's he's Michael Keaton having a fucking late career renaissance, he fucking delivers. Um, Anybody else, it would have been just the most boring of character ever, though. Oh yeah, I I, I don't even want to imagine like somebody just random playing that character hmm. granted i don't think it would have gotten made without him no probably honestly. not not for not for the budget that it was um anyway 
Dylan O'Brien is a, is a, is a fucking wet paper bag. He's boring. There's nothing about him that screams anything to me. Not yep. love interest, not fighter, not action star, nothing. He is just like honestly, he is a guy who should be playing like, you know, uh like the fourth character in this film, you know? He shouldn't be the lead. He has no he has no personality. He has no drive to him. He's he's boring. Yeah. Uh, and then Taylor Kitsch, what, what's his character? He's like kind of the rogue person or whatever. He, he's he's Dylan O'Brien before Dylan O'Brien was Dylan O'Brien. Right. He's the one that went wrong. He's the he's the reason that uh, Keaton doesn't like Dylan O'Brien's psych profile. Hey, I've seen because, it going through. No, we don't need to worry about all that. You've only seen it happen to your freaking face, gee whiz. Yeah. Um, would... I think what's weird is I really liked this director's last movie, uh, uh, Kill the Messenger, that had uh, Jeremy Renner in it and uh, Robert Patrick. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that movie was pretty good. It was also kind of a spy thriller, but it was more grounded in real world. But, uh, man, this movie is – it's I barely remember moments of it. Yeah, here's the thing. The biggest problem with this thing, it's an hour and 52 minutes. It's way too long. It's boring. Nothing really happens. It's just like, here's a couple of standard lines from these sorts of things. Then there's some action stuff, the action of which is, by and large, really not that interesting or compelling by any stretch of the imagination because also everyone looks the same. There's no real... You know, you you put him and Dylan O'Brien uh, side by you put a uh, uh, fucking Taylor Kitsch and Dylan O'Brien side by side, they don't look that much different. You know, they're practically the same damn person. Uh, it's well, just, I mean, I think that's part of it, but like, yeah, like yeah, yeah, but still, but, it's just like I I get that, but at woo. the same time too, it's just like it's so boring. There's nothing visually, it's boring. Story wise, it's boring. Directing, it's boring. I just don't understand. And I and here's the thing. What what? Because I'm looking at this kid. I've seen him in other stuff. What the fuck else have I seen him in? Because he's not. I don't think he's that bad of an actor. I just think this this role is terrible. Let me give me give me half a second here. What the fuck else have I seen him? In? Okay, so he was in the Maze Runner. That's where I think that's where I mostly know him from. He's fine in those movies, but then again, there's something going on in those movies. You know, with this, it's just a big old giant pile of boring. So. uh for me, I'm I'm just gonna have to say that there's uh this is definitely a no go on this one. I don't I can't for any real reason foresee why anyone should pay their regular money to go see this film. Don't do it. Work not worth your time. So uh, Matt dropped off of Skype, so uh, we'll try to get him back. In the meantime, I'll go ahead and play the uh, trailer for Mother. We spend all our time here. I want to make a paradise. She redid all of it. Every last detail. And she breathed life back into every room. Are you happy? I love you. Please, come in. Hello. Hello. He's a stranger. We're just gonna let him sleep in our house. Hello. Hello. Did you know he had a wife?
his luggage. What were you doing in their luggage? What do they want? God help you. the trailer for mother our second new release review of the week uh hopefully matt will be on in just a second here (laughs) we're trying to figure stuff out that's how the internet works kids it's always up it's always crazy here is the imdb plot line this one is a little bit more complicated than the last one a couple's relationship is tested when an uninvited when uninvited guests arrive at their home disturbing their tranquil existence this is written and directed Uh, by Darren Aronofsky, starring Jennifer Lawrence, Javier Bardem, Ed Harris, and Michelle Pfeiffer. All right, so we got we got we got you back now. All right, so I've already gone through. We played the uh, trailer. I've I've said this stuff. What do you think about the movie? (laughs) I know you haven't heard any of it. You don't know what the hell's going on. Uh, about mother. About mother. So we've uh, we played the trailer. We've done the thing. Yeah, yeah. Darren Aronofsky. We're big fans of it. You saw it most recently out of the two of us here. What were your thoughts coming out? Because oh again, let's uh, look, hold on. I want to I want to preface this before we start getting into stuff. Uh, this movie itself is all about a ton of uh, symbolism and other things like that. We're going to talk a little bit about the movie itself to begin with and kind of our impressions of it, what we you know liked, maybe disliked, and then we're going to get into a little bit more spoilerific kind of sort of stuff. But the big thing I want to uh, you know just tell people is you may want to see this movie, you know, and I think the less you know about it, the better. Uh, but I will say this by and large, there's, there's a lot of, uh, this is a contentious, uh, contemptuous. I can't say that word very well. <laughs> you do it. Oh, and then the internet didn't help you out either. <laughs> so uh, it, it's pretty uh, split. Wait, I'm not, I'm not looking at anything. What are you saying? What are you- I, I'm just saying the internet's going wonky on you is what I'm saying. Uh, hold on a second. Hold on. <laughs> So right now, man, uh, Mother is rocking at 68% on Rotten Tomatoes with critics, but yet is at a 43% audience score and is working down at the worst of the worst with what we call a cinema score of an F. Now, that's just a regular sort of uh, they go out, they leave the theater, they ask the people, they're like, hey, what did you think of this movie? This has gotten a cinema score of an F. So uh, people tend to really not like this movie. Critics do, by and large, seem to like it. Matt, where do you fall in that category? Uh, I'm somewhere in the like column. I'm not sure how much yet. Okay. I mean, I, I literally walked out of this movie at... 8.30. It is now 10.15. Yeah, so you haven't had much time to digest. <laughs> not not very much. I mean, look, I 
I think I get a lot of what was going on in it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say I'm pretty firmly in the like it side of it. But like I said, I just don't know how far I liked it. I don't know how, how far I'm willing to go just yet. Hmm. Here's the IMDb or the, uh, the Rotten Tomatoes critic consensus. There's no denying that Mother is a thought-provoking product of a singularly ambitious artistic vision, though it may be too unwa- unwieldy for mainstream tastes. And um, yeah. I can definitely see that because I'll tell you this much. The people that were in the theater with me uh, the other night at 10 p.m., uh, most of them were not ready for this. <laughs> they, uh, they got out and, uh, there were at least, I think there were at least two walkouts and then uh-huh. there were some people and they walked out at like good points. Um, but they got like 75% through the movie and then they're just like, like, instead of just riding it out, I've never had that where I'm just like, fuck this. I'm going out. It's like, especially if you've invested that much time, I'm seeing this bitch to the end. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, but they left and, uh, luckily I, I ran into a, a lovely couple at the end and I was kind of sitting watching the, the credits as I'm off to want to do with these films. And they asked me what I thought about it. And, uh, you know, we had a, like an interesting discussion. They should be listening to this program because uh, I introduced them to it. Uh, but yeah, man, um, I like this thing a lot. Uh, I didn't really know much about it going in. Whenever the trailers came up, I knew it was an Aronofsky film, so I kind of didn't really watch any of the trailers. I only heard like little bits of the audio that you guys kind of heard they, there, which doesn't give away a lot. Anyway. It doesn't, but I didn't want to have that possibility. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like, oh, nope, 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 nope. I just gotta, I can't. Just let me, just let me, just have this one. <laughs> and um, it, it's good. It is like, it's really great. It is a movie that is super heavy into symbolism. That is a, you know, a metaphor for all, all different kinds of stuff. I had a different opinion, uh, as to now let's talk about this real quick before I kind of get into this. Um, you are of the same mind, I believe. And you were the guy that really got me into this thinking more than anybody, uh, is that opinions, uh, upon a movie, even if they are not the director's, uh, distinct, or uh, you know, specific like yeah, this vision. is what this means. That uh-huh. does not necessarily that whatever you bring to that movie, whatever you get out of that movie, is a valid point. And it doesn't necessarily if they just go, no, that was completely not the point. Your point, whatever you brought to that movie, whatever That's, you got out of it, is still valid. Yeah, I think it's like so. The key to that is as long as you can back it up with evidence from the film, right? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, of course, right? Like. You never had, for example, somebody like um, like Alfred Hitchcock going around like, well, I have a real problem with blondes, <laughs> right? You tend but to kill a lot at, of them in your but pictures. When you, <laughs> but when you, the viewer, look at Hitchcock's movies, right? Like, Hucker has some serious issues with blonde women. They all uh, are awful people and or are tortured and or killed during his movies. There's a lot so, of them. So that right like like that's that may or may not have been hitchcock's vision i don't think he's on record one way or the other officially about blonde women i think he just thought they were hot and because they all were (laughs) well for for sure he, he did right but uh but i think that's also why like people read a lot into that stuff right and it's all using the films and some biographical details that they know about hitchcock right um and so, yeah, I think I think no matter what you take away from a movie, as long as you can back it up with uh, 
an, an argument being made from the evidence of the film, uh, it's it's completely valid. Yeah. Uh, yeah, big Darren Aronofsky fan, uh, and you've got, uh, pardon me, uh, writing and directing, uh, yet again, just doing, uh, both of those things. The movie looks fantastic. You got, uh, Matthew Leaboutique, I believe is his last name pronounced, uh, who's done about 95% of Aronofsky's stuff. I think there's only one or two little things, even outside of, like, maybe if you count his shorts, there's maybe four or five, but the majority of his stuff, he's really worked with the same guy. And all of his uh-huh. films have very distinct and different uh, uh, looks to them and everything. So I think that guy is a very talented, very talented cinematographer. Uh, one thing I do really want to uh, yell about this thing, and one reason I believe people should be able, should have to go see this in the theater, is the sound design. The sound design in this thing is utterly spectacular. If you have a great yeah. theater that you're going to where the 5.1 is, uh, this thing was mixed so well. If this sucker does not get an Oscar for some some sound stuff, it's going to be un, it's it's unjust because the sound in this thing is constant. There's so there's there's tiny little bits of it everywhere, and because the house itself is also very much a character in this movie, uh, mm-hmm. so the house is always creaking and rumbling, and there's like little sounds and like you know s- stuff is settling and things all the time because, like I said, the house is definitely part of the program here. Uh, but it is uh, it's fantastic. So if you can see this on the big screen, especially with some great surround sound, do that because it's mm, so good. Yeah, the sound design here is really amazing. Um, the cinematography is great as well. I I really think um, where this movie shines uh, is in its like very creative camera work mm-hmm. to kind of noodle around the house the way that it does the the, the camera does. Um, now, of course, some of it's very similar in style to Black Swan, but I think anytime you're making a psychological thriller like those two films, you know, you're going to expect some similarities, especially from the same director cinematographer combo. Right. Um, I uh, I also think like one thing that's kind of uh, odd about the film is uh, part of its sound design. And that's the um, soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Did you notice anything much about it? Mm, I guess nothing that stuck out particularly, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, there's not like a whole lot of music in it. That's, a, that's, I was saying, like, I mean, to my knowledge, that was kind of the whole, yeah. That it didn't really, yeah, if, mean, it, if it was there, which I'm sure there was, I'm, I'm sure there was some, especially kind of when we get towards the end there. Um, but, but like but I said, the whole house I mean, is it, kind of the, the, the it, music, if you will. <laughs> and, and one thing that really adds to that sense of uh, like overwhelming claustrophobia and paranoia is the fact that like once things start to go absolutely sideways bonkers nutso about two thirds, three quarters of the way into this film, mm-hmm. uh, you're suffocated by just the sound of other people. Oh yeah. And that's what I'm saying. This thing is like from sound editing and sound mixing. If they don't win an Oscar for this, it's a, it's a damn shame. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with that 
uh, wholeheartedly. Because I, I just don't um, see anybody else that could sit there and, and do something that's of this level. I'm not seeing anybody credited for music at all. No, just music supervisor and editor. So because that's, yeah. there, there, there are things that pop up, but it's not much. Yeah, it's it's very little. Like I said, it made it was it was one of those things. I'm like, if there was music, I certainly don't really remember any of it. But uh, yeah. but but the music is 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 the music within is the music of the house is the music of the people in the house. Uh, so let's kind of give yeah. like a a generic sort of idea before we get into you know kind of the big stuff, so we can kind of cordon that off for people that may want to come back. Um, sure. Essentially, here's the idea: uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem live in this house. This house was uh, burned at when he was you know younger and everything, and she's come in and she's decided to go through. She's kind of a redecorator. She's doing all the stuff. She's doing everything in the house, making it you know building it basically from the ground up. You know, instead of building a whole new thing from the ground up, she's building everything there, uh, everything from the painting to the, you know, woodworking, all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. And he is a writer. He's going through. Uh, he's, you know, had a had a big giant hit and everything, but hasn't really, you know, uh, done anything in quite some time. Having a lot of writer's block. So it's her right. her job is to kind of go through. I'm going to be the one who does the whole house here. You kind of go off and do your thinking and stuff. Get your stuff ready to go. And, you know, she's very kind of subservient to him in a lot of ways and stuff. And just going, oh, okay, whatever you want to do. And, you know, she's very uh, congenial about a lot of this stuff. But at the same time, has a little bit of the worries. But doesn't really want to let it out, you know. Just kind of holding it inside. Just going, well, we'll just we'll, we'll do what we can. And all of a sudden, one night. Uh, you know, there's late late at night. There's a knock on the door, and Ed Harris is on the other side. Well, not maybe not Ed Harris, <laughs> but uh, we'll, we don't, I don't want to say his character's name. We're going to get into that a little bit more in spoilers. So a man comes up at the door. He's a doctor and everything, and he just uh, you know is looking for a place to stay. Thought this place was a bed and breakfast. Turns out it's not a bed and breakfast. But he decides, hey, let's go ahead and invite him in. Well, they kind of start drinking and talking and stuff that night, and uh, Ed Harris' character kind of gets a little bit upset, a little bit too, had a little bit too much to drink, kind of is coughing up in the middle of the night and everything. Next morning, his wife arrives, played by Michelle Pfeiffer, and uh, they kind of yeah. have a whole uh, back and forth here and everything. We we're like, wait a minute, we didn't know that she was in there, but Javier Bardem is like very inviting. He's like, no, no, guys, come on in, everything's gonna be fine. Jennifer Lawrence is like, I don't really want these people here. They kind of they need to get out. I, I don't, I don't, you know, we're we're nice enough, but this is a little bit too much. And he's like, no, no, everything's gonna be fine. We've got plenty of room. Let's just keep, let's just let them stay. And uh, she relinquishes that, uh, you know, to him and everything. And then uh, the population of people begins to keep growing and growing and growing in the house until it becomes utter madness. I don't want to get into any more other than that. But that's kind of the basic, the most basic, you know, chalk outline of this thing. Uh, but it gets a lot deeper. It gets a lot crazier. Uh, this movie will not be for everybody this you will I, yeah. I think this is a you were either going to probably love this movie or you'll probably hate it there may be some in between but I don't think a lot yeah guaranteed not a lot I've already seen a lot of my friends on Twitter talking about how they don't like it and I, and I think that they're completely valid and not like I can understand well. uh, yeah I see it and I go I understand why people don't like it I think they're wrong but uh -huh. I, I get where they're coming from <laughs> um but uh man Okay, I, I I don't even know what to say about the the film beyond uh, t talking about uh, 
anything in really spoilery okay. terms. So let's go ahead and do it. So would you would you would you recommend this film to people like kind of sight unseen? Uh, I will say this: you will probably have a better experience at this film if you go in not reading a single thing about it. Mm-hmm. Because I I got the sense walking out of the theater that people who had very specific expectations about what this movie was maybe going to be about, uh, were disappointed in it. Right. The, the, and the trailers and stuff and, don't do them any favors because this is, this is marketed as a horror film. And now there are, while there are horrific things in it, I would not classify this as a horror movie per se. Well, uh, I don't look I in, don't the, tra- the, in the traditional sense, <laughs> but what people I, are I mean, looking I guess for. I, I don't care about that debate at all, but, but I think they expect very specific types of horror things to be right. in this movie. That's that what I'm saying. Maybe not there or maybe are there and they weren't expecting them because they were wanting a different movie altogether. Right. It, it's, yeah. it's not the movie uh, so that yes, used to be. <laughs> I will recommend this. I think people should see it. Um, if only because, uh, I mean, for Christ's sake, have a, have a, have an informed opinion about something you hate. No. Why would you do that? It's the internet, man. Well, no, that's true. No opinions, no, no, no valid I, opinions needed. <laughs> I do wonder like how many of the negative, uh, like, uh, clicks on like IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes user scores and stuff like that are people who've even seen the thing considering like this movie made no money. Uh, yeah, this the movie made no money. I'll be honest with you. A lot of what I've seen, and and I don't let this inform any anything that I watch. Uh, a, there there seems to be many a, a really bad review in on account of Jennifer Lawrence and you know her politics and stuff, and she says a lot of stupid shit. So people are just like, well, she's just dumb. She should shut her mouth. I'm like, I, I don't let any of that. Like you know, I think Tom Cruise is an insane man, but you know what? I love the shit out of his movies. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't let any of that kind of sway me. But I from what I've kind of seen reading some stuff, it looks like uh, at least as far as fans go, they've let that kind of seep into their subconscious. Well, not even subconscious. They, they straight up go, fuck this bitch. She, she's got opinions. I don't fucking like, I'm like, you're just stupid, dude. Anyways, I would definitely recommend seeing this, uh, at, at this point right now, I've had enough time to kind of digest it and stuff. I know it's early for Matt. Uh, but for me, this is front runner for best of the year right now. That's bold. Yeah. I, for for me right now, this is probably probably the best film of the year. So from the here here on out, we're going to talk about some spoilers. We're going to talk about ideas again, symbolism, stuff the director has said, stuff that I have, I've thought about it, stuff that Matt's thought about it. So if you don't want anything else spoiled, come on back after you've seen it. Something that we both suggest that you you uh, take a look at doing. All right, so. Matt, what were your kind of thoughts on that? I can't wait to hear it because you 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 haven't done much on this. So, and I've done a little bit of digging as to what other people think and things of that nature. So, I want to see where you're coming from. Oh well, I mean, I haven't looked at any fucking thing. I just know what I saw in the film. <laughs> um, Perfect. Uh, so, I think one of the biggest clues in the movie, right? We we talked about a clue. Uh, dealing with the movie poster in the pre-show mm-hmm. um, for our patrons. But in the movie, one of the biggest clues uh, about how to interpret this comes right at the goddamn end. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I use goddamn kind of literally right here. <laughs> um, uh, when um, she asks, finally, after uh, after the house is burned down around her, she's dying, uh, 
nothing has happened to Javier Bardem. He's untouched completely, right? Mm-hmm. She asks, who are you? What are you? And he goes, I am I. Right. Right? The other big clue, immediately following the, like, rebuild sequence, um, is uh, in the credits. Every character name is in lowercase, except for Javier Bardem's name. Right. Which is simply him. Right. So everybody else, Lawrence, uh, Jennifer Lawrence's character is named Mother. Harvey R. Dem is named him. Ed Harris, man. Yes. Michelle Pfeiffer, woman. Older brother, younger brother, played by uh, the Gleason brothers. Uh, yep. Cupbearer. No one's got a traditional and, name. And so here's the thing uh, that's going on. Um, knowing what I know about Aronofsky, mm-hmm. knowing what I know about his views on uh, Judaism, right? He's Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, and how he previously talked about the film Noah, right? When he was, when he was out promoting that and some of the religious themes he was talking about, this is the old Testament. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, like you go all, you go through all the stages, the corruption of man, everything has to end. And then he tries to rebuild it again. Yep. Essentially. (laughs) I mean, right. Like uh, older brother kills younger brother. Okay. That's Cain and Abel. Um, Adam and Eve expelled from Eden, right? They get kicked out of the house. Um, if you also remember early on, there's a there's a shot of um, of the edges of the house the house's property, right? Just as Ed Harris shows up, right, and significantly uh, later his wife shows up because right he has to create him from mm-hmm. the rib, which we see part of when he's vomiting, right? Yep. Uh, if you'll remember that shot of the edge of the property, it's burnt out there. There's nothing out there. Right. Beyond the property line. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, it's all kind of literal <laughs> once <laughs> you start uh, working through it. I mean, it's all symbolic, but like it's such literal symbology. Um, but the nice part is, too, is it kind of but, like you, you don't get it all at once. It does just no. kind of like it unfolds in like what a great movie does is the narrative is there and it pours out among, uh, you know, along the way. So you don't and, know what's going on. And you for don't large understand portions it. of it, like specifically uh, the end of the film after the birth of their child. Right. Uh, um, when things are all peaceful again for a moment. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then, and then of course the child ends up fucking dying because of course it would, mm-hmm. um, things go to shit, right? Absolute shit. Uh, people start killing one another. Uh, the police come in, there's war, uh, symbology going on, right? Like literal fucking soldiers bombing the goddamn house. Oh. Um, it, it goes fucking bug nuts. This movie. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, like, really, like, like I cannot remember a time I have sat in, in a thriller for the last third of it where the audience was uh, either collectively going, "What the fuck is going on?" or just sitting completely stone cold silent. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I literally I mean, at this point just of, was there like, were plenty of giggles after the movie, <laughs> and like, this sucks after the movie, but like during while all like people literally had no clue what the fuck they were watching. <laughs> I like I started leaning forward because for me, it was just like there were several moments where it was just like, you know, just jaw kind of down going, what am I watching? This is so uh-huh. out here. It's so crazy. It's so wild. 
by the, like you said, the last third, third, you know, third to a quarter of this film, you don't even like you would have never guessed that's where you ended up. Never. It's insane. Uh, but at the same time, while it's very much those things, I also took a lot of this as uh, is definitely an allegory for, you know, kind of our our lives as far as like uh, from social media and stuff, you know. You're, you're in this oh, house. It's all, it's all of that shit. Yeah, yeah for sure. You're right. in your house. You know, these other people come in. They have no business being there, but you're going to see, you know, their business, what's going on over there. You, you you feel like this is an invasion of their stuff. They're invading your stuff. This shouldn't be here. You got to kick those people out. And then, of course, you know, Javier Bardem always like, well, people, they, they want me. They come for me. Everybody's everybody's here for me. This is all. This is great. And then they, they worship him, this idealistic version yeah. of him. He's not necessarily that idealistic uh but he no that's that's actually the best part of that allegory quite honestly is that uh like this is a selfish dude he's just selfish yeah and and i think that's an important like uh rebuttal for a lot of the way people think about uh religion and uh and media attention in general but like like it's just like what a garbage dude man yeah, and and like, but like, but at the end of the day, too, his intentions are very good, but not, but but also at the same time, self centered as well. Yeah, because he he wants things to be good. He likes the idea of opening the uh, opening the place up to as many people as possible, exploring new ideas. He does want to make sure that everyone's there for him, but at the same time, he does like seeing other things and just being able to explore new stuff. Uh, he lets a lot of stuff roll off his back at the same time too. Even in the midst of you know the craziness that's going on, he still tries to keep level headed. Uh, the with the whole birth scene and everything, to me that was like almost a, a way of saying, uh, here's the um, the symbolism of like how much can we keep private in our lives, you know? Because everybody yeah. seems to share everything all the time, and she's like, I cannot have my baby in front of all these people. You know, and that's honestly, I thought she was going to give birth to everybody. And that was, again, kind of like a, hey, we're showing everybody everything to the worst degree of just like, you know, even the most intimate of moments, childbirth, you know, that gets seen by everyone. But we don't. But so we hide that off here. And she's wanting to keep that undercover as long as she possibly can. She wants to have this moment for them and be and be her moment. But eventually, you know, he can't help it. So to me, a lot of it also was uh, it's kind of a. And id, uh, in, you know, the house and the and the people that can continue to keep coming into the house, the the population, if you will, that's kind of like you know your id. It's sitting there underground and everything, and you have a, a an ego, super ego, fighting back and forth as to you know who can kind of control all the you know the chaos that's underneath. And he definitely wants to be like, hey, I want to show everybody what's going on here. And she's just like, no, we, we need some privacy with this. This is not necessarily yours. She throws, you know, the baby gets thrown out there. And, you know, that life goes goes away super, super fast. And then, you know, of course, we had the literal sacrament, you know, going in front of us, which makes it crazy. And then, you know, you notice by the time that the, uh, that the entire, uh, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, congregation that's in the house, uh, goes uh-huh. through and you know and beats her up, you know because they they see her as a bad thing. So this can obviously be seen as like you know the the you know pollution killing and the raping of Mother Earth and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time too, also just how we can demonize people so fast 
as far as like you know you know the internet and all that kind of good stuff uh mm-hmm. where people can just be demonized and just shown it's just like because they 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 kick her they punch her they rip her clothes off they call her a whore and they do just the most awful things to her and she has to do her best to crawl her way out of this situation um yeah this is a movie that can and should be studied for a long time. Uh, you know, Aronofsky said basically, you know, the idea that we've come up with is, you know, the uh, the uh, the Old Testament allegory, if you will, is pretty much what the movie is more or less doing. Uh, but there's so many different ways and things that yeah. you know is wildly open to interpretation for this movie. And I I likened as I was driving back, I thought of an old thing uh, that Tarantino always said. He's like, whenever I go to see a movie, I go to see a movie with somebody, and then afterwards we go get a piece of pie and talk about the movie. This is a sitting down with a piece of pie and talking with somebody that you went with, talking about this movie, because there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, it's a lot going on. I mean, (laughs) kind of famously or infamously even uh, already uh, this week, um, Darren Aronofsky kind of commented that the movie was about climate change. There's certainly a bit of that in there. Uh, right. Well, yeah, of course. Right. But like people are now up in arms. Like I think Richard Brody over in the New Yorker, uh, had written something about, uh, this thing, um, well, that I just saw go through my Twitter. Uh, but he, he just said he was wrong. It's like, he's not wrong. Well, the I mean, it's about all this shit. It's about all because of it. Because any, anytime the, anytime it's about creator creation, uh, the way humans treat each other, uh, the world, like anytime the allegory is about that, um, you know, it, it's whatever the fuck you, yeah. you, you find in it. The people treat I mean, each other terribly, I, but like, I think what's craziest. So I've been sitting here looking at some stuff and I think what's craziest about it is like, you know, we, t- <laughs> I think people get, metaphor and allegory uh confused a whole lot i mean mm-hmm. i know i know they do i run into this all the time i do from time but to time i'll from, admit it <laughs> but, but from the looks of this uh film and 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 it's mostly that like people throw around the word allegory when like allegory is um a very specific thing right uh where um like a character or something uh represents real real world problems right mm-hmm. so it's a literalized representation of it uh as opposed to metaphor which is uh uh i mean it is a metaphor but as opposed to like how we think about metaphor as being like um a substitute or uh, or or like a, a pure symbol or something one like could that. easily say that this uh, is an allegoric metaphor <laughs> well well i mean an allegory is a metaphor right but but it's it's symbolic, but it's also like kind of literalized in a way. Mm-hmm. Right. And in, in, uh, in literary terms, it's a, it is a very specific thing, um, to say that something is allegorical. Right. Um, and I think people just don't fucking know what in the fuck an allegory is. Uh, it's, it's not saying like, this is like the thing. It's literally like, this is the fucking thing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I, I don't know. I cannot imagine watching this movie having no understanding of, of, of allegory or metaphor or, or, or things like that, because it, like, that's all there is. It's all there is. I mean, is, is there a nugget of a, of a thriller that is just purely engaging outside of that? For sure. Right. Uh, uh like, yeah, even if you, even if you didn't know is, nothing, it was, it, it's a bug nut crazy ride, right? 
Well, the the movie is beyond anything else uh, a an anxiety inducing <laughs> hellish roller coaster, mm-hmm. unlike anything I've experienced recently in cinema. Right. Um. So I think there's at least that that functions on a pure kind of generic level for people to glom onto at least. But like, if you're not willing to sit there and think about this shit, uh, I mean, it'd be like telling somebody who has only ever seen the Transformers movies in theaters to show up and see this 35 millimeter print of the last year at Marion bad. <laughs> right. Like, like, and then to explain it to you afterwards. Right. And I'm not I'm not saying that Mother is uh, last year at Marion Bad or even as complex as that movie is or maybe not even as good. I don't I don't know at this point. But what I am saying is that uh, people who don't understand shit uh, will clearly hate this movie. Yes, And there are a lot of people who don't understand things. <laughs> that was no, that was my biggest complaint <laughs> I, for I know people. I teach people. Right. That was my biggest complaint for people was that the people that watch this that don't like it, by and large, I'm not going to say all of them, but the good portion of them. uh, I would say a a fair chunk. Maybe not even a majority, but a fair chunk. But just go through and it's just like if it's not spoon fed to me and I don't and I don't walk out of here knowing exactly what was what and don't have, you know, all the all the T's and I's crossed and dotted for me. I I don't like it. It's not good. I cannot think for myself. And we become a a just a audience of dumb moviegoers who don't want to think, who don't want to try, who don't want to be challenged when they go into a movie theater. They want to sit down. They want to have their, you know, their two hours. They want to have their popcorn and walk out and just be, and, and have the experience that we had with American Assassin to where you just go, that's good. I don't know why, but I just, it's good enough for me. No, it wasn't. It was terrible. You need, yeah. you, we need movies that go through and can challenge us and challenge our perspective on not only life, but cinema itself. But I think even more so than that, you know, there's there's a faction of people who do understand shit, who uh, who complain and moan incessantly when Hollywood studios don't put out original uh, Mm -hmm. films. Mm -hmm. Right. They endlessly complain about it. Oh, shit. We got a fifth fucking Transformers movie. Oh, shit. We got another X-Men. All Hollywood puts out is shit. It's like, well, here's Hollywood. I mean, the studio was paramount for fuck's sake, right? Yep. Uh, Here's Hollywood. Literally Hollywood. One of the big major studios, right? Putting out something that I've never seen, really. I mean, I've, I've seen things like it, right? Like, I've seen Repulsion. I've seen Rosemary's Baby. But this here is... I, I think beyond some of that, just as like how crazy it actually gets. Um, and, you know, people are complaining about it, not fitting formula and shit. And it's like, listen here, motherfuckers, <laughs> you can't complain all the time about one thing. And then when something comes along, complain about how it's too weird. And doesn't conform to some mythical genre standard that you want it to adhere to, right? I wanted it to be I, cookie I'm not cutter. You can't, I'm not saying you can't want both things. I want both things. I'm saying you can't complain about it. And then when you get the thing, be like, oh, I don't know what to do with this. Fucking studio. This movie's the worst movie ever made. 
fucking uh, what's his name uh, over at New York Observer said it's the worst movie of the century so far. Oh come on now. And it's I like I don't know. Is it pretentious? Yeah, sure. Is it over the top? Yeah, sure. Uh, I don't think those things are necessarily always negatives. I don't think so. You know, so so sue me. I mean, for fuck's sake, Quentin Tarantino's pretentious as shit. He really is. You know, fucking like that guy. Yeah, it's good though. <laughs> he makes make, make solid movies, and and I think that's the key. It's just like you have to you have to think about this movie differently and people are not thinking about it differently. And if they are, uh, they fucking hate it for some bizarre reason. Uh, I don't think it's bad. I don't, I don't, it's definitely not unwatchable. No, uh, here's the I, thing. Even if you hate it, you will watch it and just, and you'll be mesmerized by it. I think and if you have at I, least somewhat of an open mind, I, here's, here's the real thing. I wonder, who the fuck walks out of this movie with 20 minutes left? It's it's insane. It's like it's apparently all... a thing that has happened a lot based on what I've just been looking at online while we while we were talking. I saw about it. I saw it happen. But like 20 minutes? The last 20 minutes are like the weirdest shit. <laughs> you don't you don't know whether you like the movie or not if you haven't watched the end of this fucking thing. Yeah. You just don't know. It's that fucking crazy. It really is. And it's bookended. Like that's the divisive part. (laughs) It's, it's not, it's not the chunk you thought was boring or uninteresting or whatever the fuck stupid opinion you had about the previous hour and a half. The last 20 minutes is where people come down on this fucking thing. And you don't even have the like cojones to sit there, right? The fortitude to sit down and just deal with some shit that maybe is out of your comfort zone for a minute. You can walk out hating it. But I, I will say if you have if I ever talk to somebody who walked out of this fucking movie and they say it's the worst thing they've ever seen, invalid opinion, completely fucking invalid. Yep. If that, if they tell me that that it's the worst thing they've seen and they and they've watched the whole thing, I'm fine with it. No, but, I, like I said, but, I but, I get why people would not like this, but yeah, but if you walked out of this of this movie, right? I actually don't even care about people walking out of movies and saying they hated it. But this one particularly, like, I will not have it. Because because it really is, like, I, I just, I don't understand why you would even do that, quite honestly. Because as soon as, as soon as we smash cut to her being pregnant, everything is just the craziest shit you've ever seen. It's like, oh, so everything is insane. But yeah, I mean, like, like there's so many things, like you said, with the uh, uh, with the environmental stuff like that, you know. So she's you know the character's mother, so we can go ahead and assume you know Mother Earth and all that jazz. And yeah. um, these people are sitting on this sink that's that's not you know properly you know done up yet. You know, it's it's still kind of halfway through construction, and people are constantly sitting on it. And she's just like, "Look, you're gonna have to get off that." Okay, then they get off. Some people are on it again. Look, you're going to have to get off that. Then people are on it again. You have to get off that. And then he looks around, then there are people like literally going, no, we're fine. Everything's cool. See, it's sturdy. It's sturdy. And then, you know, boom. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, that that's the thing, right? The climate change thing is in there. It, it's, it's totally there. Like that. Yeah, that's totally right? there. <laughs> so, I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I found the composer, Johan Johansson. I thought that that was, I thought there, I, I swear, I was, was like. That, was the, that for the uh, trailer music? Because that's not in the film either. 
I feel like that. I feel like I saw that name in the credits. That's the that's what I, I mean. Uh, that's what's I, listed I up on Box it. Office Mojo. I feel like I read that in the credits. I mean, it, and it may be just for I don't know, but I'm gonna look him up on IMDb. There's not a lot. I'll I'll put it that way. There's not a lot of music in this thing at all. But uh, it's it's so good. I I like I said. I thoroughly enjoy this. I think this is something. That if you can, you know, you may want to see it a couple times because there's a lot to unpack there. And it's something that I believe that you could watch and probably see things differently many different times. So I, you know, I enjoy it. Yeah, I uh, I, I want to watch it again. I, probably not anytime soon because it's a lot. But uh, yeah. eventually I want to sit back down with this thing and uh, really kind of delve into it a little more. Yeah, he may have he may have just done the trailer because I'm not. It's not on his official IMDb. So, mm-hmm. anyways, um, let's see. Let's see if it's if he's listed in the mother thing. So many different <laughs> things. That's like get yourself together, internet. Start start making stuff right. <laughs> Hold on. Gee whiz. But uh, yeah, I say if you're if you're um, an Aronofsky fan, definitely give it a shot. It's probably gonna be up your alley. <laughs> Because it certainly was mine. All right, so uh, let's see. I think uh, we're yeah we're about good then. Uh, next week. All right. Next week we're going to be talking about two big movies uh, that are finally going to knock it out of its number one spot. I'm I'm more we than think. certain of it. I'm pretty. <laughs> it's it's almost. I'd say. I, it's I know happen. that one will for sure. Yeah. It, yeah, that's true. The, the question is Kingsman. Kingsman may. I don't know. I think like it got a lot I, of love. I think, I think it'll do really well. I'm, it'll just depend on how well it continues to do. This is true. But 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 the other movie definitely will knock it right out of number. Yeah. One. So uh, we'll be covering Lego Nin, Ninja Ninjago. Lego the Lego, Lego Ninjago. Ninjago. Uh, which honestly, I was like, when I heard it announced, I was like, I have no plans to watch this. It looks like it's like, I've seen the Ninjago stuff. I don't know what it is. It seems really stupid. And then the trailer came out and I was like, damn it. If that don't look like it's going to be fun. So, uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, a lot of great voice talent in that. And of course, Kingsman golden circle, uh, coming back, Matthew Vaughn, man, doing a sequel. Very rare for Matthew Vaughn to do sequels. So, uh, we'll see how that one holds I- up as well. I think he really digs uh, that universe. Like, I, I want him to just make Kingsman movies <laughs> for a minute. You know, like, yeah. like just make the next one after this. Can we do that? Um, Could be worse. I will also be going to see a movie that I'm looking forward to. Friend Request. Is that out? It opens this weekend. Well, yeah, okay, I'll go see that. Because I've seen a trailer. It looks like it might be all right. Well, it looks like it's going to be what it's going to be. <laughs> I'll put it it looks way. exactly like, yeah, you know what that movie's going to be. Yeah. And that's what excites me about it. Like, I love, <laughs> as, much, as much as I just railed on about people's expectations, I really love genre cinema for delivering the goods. You know what I mean? Even if the like, goods are bad. Even if, if it's like spoiled Even if fruit, the goods end up being bad, it's just like, if I know that going in, I will figure out what I can use this movie for. Well, that's what I do. Yeah. I have that stupid brain now. <laughs> well, it's like uh, Happy Death Day. Like I have no delusions that that's going to be a grand, you know, cinema adventure. But I think I'm going to have oh, a lot I, of fun at I it. I do. I think it's and that movie might be the best movie of 2017. <laughs> I think that's gonna. It's gonna be based, I th- based entirely on the trailer. 
I'm going to call it now. Movie of best film of 2017 <laughs> is Happy Death Day. So you'll see that uh, Matt's top 10 Happy Death Day number right one. Adam, Adam's is mother. <laughs> Could it be more different? Well, They're not that different. No, that's true. They're practically the same film. <laughs> They're plot wise virtually the same. Virtually the, the like I I think here. Girl dies that. every girl dies constantly. Is reborn. Has to figure out why again. Makes, Seems right. Yeah, makes a lot of sense <laughs> to me. All right, Matt. In the meantime, where can we find more of your work on the internet, sir? Uh, you can uh, follow me on uh, Twitter at Matt Boyd Smith, uh, on Instagram at Matt underscore Boyd underscore Smith. And uh, I'll be putting out a new newsletter toward uh, the, the middle of this weekend-ish. I'm going on a big road trip, so I'll be online a little less frequently doing that sort of thing. But uh, I'll be tweeting out some stuff and Instagramming some stuff the whole time. Uh, so follow me there. Road trip. And, of course, other podcasts. Uh, well, we, we, we did just drop a, a, a final Preacher podcast for uh, season uh, two there. So uh, check uh, that out. We got covered a lot of emails and some ideas for what we might think for season three and stuff like that. So check that out. And, of course, here at Movie Podcast, here at moviepodcast.com. We'll be having a big, giant uh, Kingsman review over there. Uh, so definitely check that out. And, of course, Nerd Talk Now, Saturday evenings at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Go to nerdtalknow.com, and I talk uh, nerdy stuff of the day, man. I think I may be talking a little bit more of Mother and about uh, maybe going a little bit more on cinema and how, like, you know people can think things and other things of that nature i think i may go a little bit more deep into that and of course maybe take some phone calls as well man so check that out that's uh, nerdtalknow.com that is it everybody thanks to all the people that support us patreon.com slash the film fine remember if you get us at any level you'll get the pre and post show for all this kind of good stuff and uh maybe some more things down the line as well that is it everybody join us next week when we talk kingsman golden circle and lego ninjago the movie for Matt Smith, I'm Adam Portress. Adios, everybody.